I want Jesus to walk with me. Did you recognize that tune? It's time that we begin our praises. If you would stand as we sing, rise up and praise him with to God be the glory. Rejoice, let the earth be glad. Let the people of God sing his praise all over the land. Everyone in the valley, come and lift your voice. All those on the mountaintop be glad and shout for joy. Rise up and praise him. He deserves our love. Rise up and praise Him. Worship the Holy One with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Rise up and praise Him. To God be the glory, great things He has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life and atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. All come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory. Great things he hath done. Great things he hath taught us. Great things he hath done. And great are rejoicing through Jesus the Son, but purer and higher and greater will be a wonder, our victory when Jesus we see. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory when things he has Well, good morning and welcome to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. We thank you so much for taking the opportunity to come to engage in our time of worship. The singing of the songs, the prayers, the sharing of personal testimonies and thoughts, looking at God's Word, all of that encompasses what God wants to speak to us and how He wants to speak to us today. And I hope and pray that you're able to put the cares of the world aside for just this short time, allow God to speak to you and experience Him today. That would be the joy of our hearts and obviously 
what God would like. He would like to be able to speak to each one of us right where we need him. If this is the very first Sunday that you are, have been here or you have never filled out a guest card, we'd love for you to take the card in front of you in the pew and uh, just fill it out in its entirety. And when you leave, uh, we have the offering boxes at each location. If you'll just drop those in, we would certainly appreciate that. Today we're going to be talking about heaven. Nothing like the promise of heaven. It's exciting. It's a great hope and promise and today we want to sing for joy because of what God has done through his son Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father thank you for the time and the opportunity that you've given us and I thank you for each and every person that is here. Father there is a hunger and a desire to hear from you to experience you and I pray and Father through every element of our worship today as was the case in our Bible study time uh, with those beautiful passages that were read and taught by our teachers. That Father, today, as the songs are sung and, and we go into your word, that those same beautiful nuggets of gold will stay with us, challenge us, encourage us. And Father, we'd put them into action this week. So we ask you to speak to us today. Right now, Father, we give you all the honor and praise and glory. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We're going to sing three numbers of medley about heaven. The first, when the roll is called up yonder, followed by when we all get to heaven and I'll fly away. After which our deacon of the week, Karen Lackey, will come and lead us in the deacon prayer. Heaven medley. trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair when the saint of earth shall gather over on the other shore and the roll is called up yonder I'll be there when the roll is called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder when the roll is called up when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Let us labor for the master from the dawn to setting sun. Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. Then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll Let us then be true 
morning and yes I'm ready to fly away so I thank you Jesus for the person that wrote that song it fills my spirit Lord I pray for today for the message that's going to be said by our dear pastor and I it's all about heaven and Lord God I pray that if there's just even one that doesn't know you I pray that they will release their their uh, I don't know, self, uh, not selfishness, but uh, shyness to come forward and boldly proclaim Jesus Christ as their Savior. I ask all of this, Father, in the, your Son's name, may he be glorified forever and ever. Amen. You're singing beautifully this morning. We're continuing to sing about heaven. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. 
Tommy Dorsey favorite, There'll Be Peace in the Valley. We're going to sing a couple of stanzas, the first and the third, and I've asked Ruth to play the second one as we reflect on the lyrics that will be on the screen. Well, I'm tired and so weary, but I must toil on. There'll be peace in the valley for me. Well, I'm tired and so weary, but I must toil on till the Lord comes and calls me away. Oh, yes. Well, the morning is bright and the And the wolf 
If the ship of your life is tossing on the sea of strife, you need someone. And if you feel so all alone, and your house is not a Seems life isn't fair, and there's no one left to share all those lonely days and nights, and things just don't turn out right, and you need someone to care, someone to just be there. You need all around keep your spirits on the ground you need someone and if your body is in pain and your health you can't regain that someone that you need I give 
Pat, thank you so much. I think most of us can identify with elements of that song, can we not? If you have your Bibles or if you want to look on the screen, I'd like to look at John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, and then a few passages out of the book of Revelation, chapter 21. We talk about the promise of heaven. There are lots of books written on heaven. There is a lot in the scriptures that describe heaven to some degree and I will do my best to focus in on the promise of heaven today Jesus said in John chapter 14 do not let your hearts be troubled you believe in God believe also in me for in my father's house there are many rooms if it were not so would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also will be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. But Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then in Revelation, if you just want to look up toward the screen, chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, the Apostle John gives a wonderful description of what heaven will be like. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city in the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away then over to verses 10 and 11 and he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God 
It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. And then skip down to verse 18 and part of 19. The wall was made of jasper, the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. Join me in prayer, if you would. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to look at what your scripture has to say, to have understanding about the promise of heaven. There are so many questions, so many things that we could ask, and we should, and we should search. We should be sensitive to your spirit in striving to understand, but most importantly, help us to understand how to get to heaven. Even with our finite minds, but Father, we can understand that it's through your son, Jesus. And through your son, Jesus, a whole new world opens up here and in the hereafter. So this morning, Father, give us insight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. John gives us an amazing understanding of what heaven is going to be like. Whether it is literal or whether it is symbolic in the things that he mentioned, what we know is that all of those things are valued in the culture in which we live. And as we focus upon that understanding that heaven is going to be something that's absolutely beautiful, the real question is how to get to heaven. And is there really a heaven? And is there a promise of heaven? For years, the late Charles E. Fuller conducted the old-fashioned revival hour. You might have remembered it. One of the favorite selections of that hour was the quartet singing, The World is Not My Home. The world is not my home, and that is exactly right. For Christians, this world was never meant to be a place that we were going to be for eternity. God had something farther in mind, something more beautiful, something everlasting, because God knew that we were going to sin. He knew that we were going to contaminate this world and that our own lives would be torn apart, separated from him. So God had a plan. The Word of God describes the believer in Jesus Christ as a pilgrim, as a stranger, as a traveler. So the believer in this world, in this life, he does or she does have a foretaste of glory divine. But let me tell you this. The ultimate glory awaits each one of us who have a faith in Christ. The scripture says that uh, uh, Abraham longed for a, a city whose builder and maker is God, and I think that is true for each one of us. Now, don't get me wrong, we are not just ready to move out of this earth immediately. We're all, we all do everything we can to stay healthy, to do all that we can, because God has purpose. God has something for us to do but the reality is that when our time is right and we take our last breath we're going to see something that is beyond our comprehension let me tell you we yearn to see jesus face to face 
Jesus said in John 14, verse 3, the latter part, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. The words are significant. He says, I will take you. The, the words mean to escort. I will come and I will escort you to that special place I have reserved for you. I have prepared for you. That place is called heaven. John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, said this, When I get to heaven, I shall see three wonders there. The first wonder is to see many there whom I did not expect to see. The second wonder will be to miss many people whom I did expect to see. And the third and greatest of all will be to find myself there. You see, it's only by the grace of God, not by anything that we do, that we are able to encounter that, that hope and that understanding of, of being in heaven. There's still a lot of questions and so I thought maybe what I would do to talk about heaven today is to address four questions that many people have. Four questions that non-believers have, and I think probably some believers. First of all, is there really a heaven? Or is this some kind of myth, something to just get us through life, somehow to think that there's something better? Well, the scripture tells us that heaven is guaranteed by Jesus' promise. In John chapter 14, in verse 3 of the first part, before he left this earth, he said, I go and prepare a place for you. Jesus cannot lie. It's not in his nature to lie. It's not in his character to lie. He cannot lie. Therefore, if he cannot lie, then what he speaks becomes living reality. What he says is ultimate, absolute truth. You can count on it more than you can count on anything else in existence. If you remember, the sea was raging. Jesus was resting. The disciples were worried. They thought they were going to die. When Jesus awoke, the storm was terrible in the Sea of Galilee. And guess what? Jesus said, be still. And that raging sea became as still as glass. You see, all of creation listens to the voice of God, the authority of Jesus. That is something to remember. Because he created everything, everything responds to him. Therefore, what he says becomes a living reality. When he says, I go and prepare a place for you, you can count on that. Since Jesus cannot lie, then heaven is as sure as Jesus' departure. In uh, the first part of verse 3, he says, I go and prepare a place. If you remember, his disciples were on the Mount of Olives in Acts chapter 1, as Jesus ascended up to heaven, they saw him going to prepare a place. If you remember, the angels said, why, why, are you, why are you standing gazing at the sky? This same Jesus will come back he promises he keeps his promises heaven is guaranteed by jesus's promise second it's guaranteed by jesus's purpose in the first part of verse three again he says i go and prepare a place for you and the the words if you look at the uh, at the context shows absolute affirmation and in essence he's saying this is something that i've driven to do i cannot do anything else but this this is 
foremost on my mind. It gives us that calm assurance that he's driven to go and prepare that place and then to come back and to get us and to take us to be where he is. Listen, heaven is as sure as you are. But it is not certain that you will be there because heaven is reserved only for those who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not the good works, although we are supposed to do good works after we accept Christ. It's not how much money we give to the church, not how many times we're baptized, how many times we win attendance awards and whatever events we're doing at church. Those are all good. Those are all wonderful things, valued things, but it is not the way to get to heaven. It's through Jesus Christ alone. So is there really a heaven? Yes. Heaven is guaranteed by Jesus' promise. It's guaranteed by Jesus' purpose because of the transformation that happened in our lives when we asked Jesus to take our sins away and give us life everlasting. His Spirit then came to live inside of us as the down payment of the hope that is within us. The second question, what will heaven be like? Some of you might remember Vance Havner. Vance Havner was a wonderful speaker of a different generation. He wrote, there are a lot of questions in the Bible that doesn't answer concerning heaven, the hereafter. But I think one reason is illustrated in the story about a boy sitting down for a bowl of spinach when there's a chocolate cake at the end of the table. He's going to have a rough time eating that spinach with his eyes on the cake. And if the Lord had explained everything to us about what's ours to come, I think we'd have a rough time with our spinach down here. In other words, if Jesus had described heaven to a T, that we could understand, like that cake on the end of the table, it'd be awful hard for us to just toil through this life with a lot of the things that Pat sang about in her song. Because we all face difficulties. There are, life is just tough. But let me tell you, even though he did not describe all the details about heaven, he did give us a promise that it will be there and it is going to be an amazing place. Let's talk about that a little bit. We don't know everything, but Jesus used three marvelous words to describe heaven. A place, a mansion, and a bride. First, he says that heaven is called a place. In verse 2, the last part of John 14, uh, verse 2, he says, I go and prepare a place. That key word, place, it indicates something of substance. My place is over on Jimstone Drive. That's my home. That's where I live. That's where I, I, uh, I go home after a long day and I just let my hair down. <laughs> and, uh, and let go. <laughs> it's a place of substance. This is my city that I live in, Sun City West. This is my church. Something of substance. He says that heaven is called a place. If you remember in, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 10, Abraham said, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. The writer of Hebrews is trying to get us an understanding about what Abraham was doing. He was looking beyond this world to something that is better by far. 
Billy Graham in one of his writings said, what is heaven going to be like? Well, it's just a mystery as hell is. Yet I believe that the Bible teaches that heaven is a literal place. Is it one of the stars? I don't know. I can't even speculate. But I'm not worried about where it is. I know it is going to be where Jesus is. So Christians don't have to go around discouraged and despondent with their shoulders bent. Think about it. The joy, the peace, and the sense of forgiveness that He gives you, and then heaven too. As we live through this life, even in the most difficult of times, it is a correct statement that there's going to be difficulties. But He gives us that inner peace, that inner joy, that sense of forgiveness that gives us that hope and understanding, the promise that heaven is just around the corner. Herschel Hobbes described it a little more succinct. Heaven is where God and Christ are, and that will be heaven enough for me. Not only is heaven called a place, and we don't know where that place is, but we know that Jesus is going to be there, and so we want to be with him, and it's going to be good enough. He also described heaven as a mansion. In John chapter 14, uh, verse 2, and uh, the first part, he said, In my Father's house are many mansions. Some versions have many rooms. The context here is the idea that this is a really, really big place. In fact, it carries the idea of a, of a dwelling of someone who is very wealthy or a prince or a king, something like a palace. The words show high estate. It gives plenty of room, plenty of room for whatever needs to be done. In other words, it gives us the illusion, the understanding, the truth without saying literally this is the way it's going to be, that it's going to be something out of this world, something that you would never have imagined, something that even if you sat down and you tried to describe what you wanted, it would be far greater than that. In my Father's house are many rooms. So many people are building mansions here, but they have very little toward what heaven is going to be like for them. A man who has a layover at an airport, he doesn't go into the bathroom and frown upon the decor. You've seen the, the men's bathroom. There is no decor in there whatsoever. But the man doesn't go in and say, oh, this is terrible, so I'm going to start redecorating the bathroom so it looks good. And why does he not do that? It's because that's not his home. You see, his, his home is somewhere else. And so he's going to do what little he has to to get through in order to get to the home where he'll be, his place. And let me tell you, this is the airport we're in. We are just flying through in this world because our home is somewhere else. That's where we ought to be putting everything that we have to accomplish what God wants. It doesn't mean that we can't enjoy this life, and it doesn't mean that we can't purchase the things that we want to purchase. That's not the point. The point is make sure that while you're doing all of that, that you're laying forward the jewels, the crowns, the gifts, anything that God says this is what I want you to do because he is going to reward you when you get to heaven with 
your obedience, your commitment, and your fulfillment of his purpose in your life. I think it's important. We don't need to worry about the, the airport here. We just need to do whatever it takes to sustain us and fulfill the purpose of God because heaven is going to be something that is amazing. If we live 70, 80, 100 years here, it seems like a long time. But my friend, that goes by so quickly. You know that. I still think of myself as 27 years old. I know I look in the mirror and it doesn't look that way, but, but here in my heart and my memory, I'm thinking, man, that, that was probably the best year of my life. That's when I met my wife. <laughs> we got married. That's when there were so many things coming together. It was, a, it was a great time in my life. That's what I still remember. But you know, as I look in the mirror, it's just not there. So time passes quickly. The scripture tells us, and listen, do everything you can to prepare for the place that God has prepared for you. I am a, um, I am a huge advocate of learning as much about the Bible and spiritual things as you possibly can. Because since it is the word of God, and since his word is living and alive forever, then you don't cease to have this understanding and knowledge when you die. You take it with you. I don't know how God's going to use it all, but I know that it's valuable, it's important, and that we should spend time not only understanding His Word, but then also proclaiming it everywhere we go so that every single person at least has the opportunity to understand that heaven is real and it's going to be amazing. We also see that heaven is called a bride. In Revelation chapter 21, the first part of, or the second part of verse 2, he describes heaven like a bride adorned for her husband. Now you think about that for a minute. Radiant, just beautiful, indescribably thrilling. What an incredible moment that would be. It's a, it's a place of great joy is what he's trying to get across. I will never forget August 10th, 1985, First Baptist Church, Waldorf, Maryland. I stood on the front with uh, my brother as my best man and my two best friends from college, which are still my best friends, all of us standing right there. And I turn and I see my wife coming down the center aisle of that church and her beautiful gown, the smile on her face. When I looked at her, I thought and still think to this day, she's the most beautiful woman in the world. You know that feeling. Guys, you understand that. Here we find that, that heaven is called a bride by John because it is such a thrilling moment in understanding that, man, I, it doesn't get any better than this. It takes our breath away. It did that day for me. And let me tell you, when I first take my first breath or whatever I do when I enter the gates of heaven, with Jesus escorting me with his hand in my hand, I think it's going to take my breath away. I'm going to step back and I'm going to say, 
this is the most beautiful thing I have ever seen in my life. And it just goes on and on. You see, it's promised. William Van Dyke was a man who was blind from the age of 10. But he didn't let that disability d d deter him. He, uh, he continued on you know, through, uh, through college and went to England for his master's degree. And uh, he was smart. He was uh, a good looking. He uh, was uh, athletic to what he could do. I mean, he just continued to move forward. But in those days, they didn't know much about the eyes. Somewhere, he had met, working on his master's, he had met uh, uh, a young lady in England who was an admiral's daughter. Well, they quickly fell in love, and not too long after that, they became engaged. They set the wedding date, and in the meantime, like an admiral would, he insisted that William Dyke go through a surgical procedure to do whatever he could to see if it would make him see again. And so Dyke did that. He, uh, he said, this is what I want to do. On the day of the wedding, I want my bandages on, and that's when I want the gauze taken off because the first thing I want to see in this world is my new bride. And so as she began walking down the aisle of the church, his father began taking the bandages off. And when he took that very last circumference off, William looked into the face of his bride, and he smiled, and he said, you are more beautiful than I could even have imagined. My friends, when we think about this idea of a bride, and we think of the idea of entering heaven and seeing Jesus for the first time, we have him in our life and our heart. But when we see him face to face, the scripture talks about him as he is, we are going to be absolutely blown away. To see Jesus and to see the place that he has prepared for us. It's going to be amazing. A place, a mansion, a bride. The third question is where? Where is heaven? Well, I can tell you this, that it's not some disembodied existence on earth. We're not going to be ghosts drifting around in some timeless void. We're not going to be uh, uh, these folks that have wings and have a harp and we just sit on a cloud all day playing music. That's not where it's going to be. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. That means that I'm going to come, I'm going to meet you, I'm going to escort you to the place I've prepared for you. There's nothing better than that. To, <clears throat> at the moment we take our last breath, that Jesus takes our hand and he escorts us to the place he has prepared for each one of us. Wow. 
That's not some disembodied state. That is as firm as it can be because the place is where Jesus is. He said, take you to be with me. I'm going to take you to be with me. Where is that place? I said before, we don't know. But I can tell you, wherever Jesus is, that's the place it's going to be. And we're going to be with him because he asked that. He said that. I will take you to be with me. This literally means to where I am. If you remember Luke chapter 23, verse 43, that Jesus said to the thief on the cross, after he made his confession to him, he said, Today you will be with me in paradise. We don't know where that paradise is, but we know, do know that that thief was going to be with Jesus on that day. The place is much less important than Jesus being there and our glorifying him. The great missionary who died at a young age and around 29, 28, 29, David Brainerd, he was a missionary to the, to the Native Americans in upper state New York. He said to Jonathan Edwards, his father-in-law, I do not go to heaven to be advanced, but to give honor to God. It is no matter where I shall be stationed in heaven, whether I have a high or low seat there, but to live and to please and to glorify God. My heaven is to please God and glorify Him and give all to Him and to be wholly devoted to His glory. You know, I think it sums it up pretty well. Heaven is going to be where Jesus is, and our role there is going to be to worship Him and glorify Him. Not too much worrying about where we're going to be, because we'll be where we are. We'll be in the place that he's prepared for us. We'll be in that place as we have been obedient and faithful to him in this life. He will build that place. He will make that place. It will be our place that he's prepared for us. And our role is to glorify him. So when will I go there? A dedicated missionary, John uh, Jim Elliott, said, I must not think it strange if God takes in youth those whom I would have kept on earth until they were older. God is peopling eternity, and I must not restrict him to old men and old women. <laughs> Through the years, I have officiated funerals of infants and little children and people of all ages. And there's a lot of things we don't understand. And there's some of you here who have, you've lost your children, one or more grandchildren. I wish I could explain all those things. But I don't have an answer. But I know this, that the scripture, from my perspective, is very clear on when that person dies at infancy or in old age, when they're going to go to heaven. I believe that Jesus indicated that it'll be the instant that we die. The reason I say this, several fold. First, in Luke 23, 43, the scripture says, today you will be with me in paradise. I understand the concept of paradise. It comes from a, uh, a Greek understanding of beautiful gardens. But it's descriptive, in my mind, of what heaven is going to be like. What Jesus was trying to get across in the terms that the thief could understand is today, you, today, you will be with me. And where is heaven? It's where Jesus is. 
And so the thief, when he breathed his last, he was there. I think the fact is shown in the 16th chapter of Luke, verses 19 through 31, if you get a chance to read it. But you remember, it's the rich man and Lazarus. The scripture says of Lazarus, he said, the angels <clears throat> carried him to Abraham's side. The words indicate immediately, instantly. At the point that he died, immediately the angels took him to Abraham's side. A concept, uh, King James says Abraham's bosom. The concept is concerning the father of the nation of Israel, that it's going to be a place like heaven. In contrast, the scripture says, the rich man also died and was buried, and in hell, some versions say Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. I believe with all of my heart that at the point that we breathe our last breath here, as a believer in Jesus Christ, we will instantly, immediately be with Jesus. And I think that that, thank you Chuck, I think that is absolutely important for us to understand. There's some concepts where there's a, a holding tank theory, you know, that when you die, you're kind of put over in this holding tank and then Jesus will come back, then he's gonna, the, the, the dead then will be raised. I believe the scripture shows it very clearly from my perspective, because I think in both of these cases, it shows immediate action. They died and they suddenly were in their places. When you die, you will instantly find your final destination. On his deathbed, D.L. Moody cried out, this is my coronation day. Don't try to call me back. Charles Spurgeon, when facing death, implored, can this be death? Why, it's better than living. Many times Billy Graham declared, for the Christian, the grave is not the end, nor is death a calamity, for he has a glorious hope, the hope of heaven. It is a promise to each and every one of us. Listen, heaven is real, and you can go there. Heaven is real, but it's possible that you might miss it. The question is, where are you right now in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ? If today were the last day for you, and, and uh, uh, you, you died today, do you know without a doubt that you would be going to be in that glorious place that we have described today that's promised to us? you were standing before the judgment seat of Christ right now, and he said, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Would you say, well, I, I, man, I've worked hard for you. I'll give you my resume. I've served on so many committees at church. And you know, that's hard work. <laughs> I've given a lot of money. I have gone from, from the time I was, uh, was little every Sunday to church. I just wanted to make sure, but I was baptized four times. What would you say if you would say anything other than, I ask Jesus Christ to come into my life and take my sins away? Because Jesus is the only way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father except through by me. The way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. He has promised it. It is there waiting for you when the time comes. 
but only if you have that personal relationship. So we celebrate with joy as believers in Christ. We have that promise. We have that understanding. We have that absolute truth. And if that's the case for you, then my friends, you ought to be out sharing it everywhere you go. Sharing that, that great hope, that absolute truth. That look what you can have in the community around us, the people that we care about, people that, that we're in clubs with or that we work with or in our neighborhood, our friends, our family members. We've got to be sharing it as best we can, building relationships. Huh. Bill Frankel passed away this morning. He's a member of our congregation, and he's really had a tough time, he and his, his wife Pat, over the last year, year and a half. Bill and, and, and Pat gave their lives to Christ back in the first year that I was here. And all of that came about because uh, Scott Williamson and uh, Dan uh, Coker uh, decided that they would have an ongoing um, time together each week at Einstein Bagels. They'd go in and have their bagels, they would talk. I hope I get this right, Scott. And, uh, and, and Bill and Pat both worked there at the time. And, uh, and Bill, uh, from time to time, would come and sit down. And uh, two's company, three's a crowd, right? <laughs> no, not in that case, because that's how the connection came. And they started coming to church. And through Scott's, and, and, uh, uh, Scott's relationship with them, both Bill came to know Jesus Christ, coming from a Jewish background, and Pat, who had a Catholic background, came to know Christ as their Savior, too. I had the pleasure of baptizing them. It was a joy. Guess what? Bill is in heaven today because of that relationship building that needs to take place for all of us wherever we go. And it doesn't happen necessarily the first time. It may take weeks, months, years of building a relationship and living a life that shares the light of Christ. So believers, that's where we are. That's what we should be doing, and our commitment to Christ should be that way. This morning, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've been coming to church for a long time, if you've tried to do all the right things, because there are some, some denominations or churches out there that uh, they believe in, in sacraments, whereas if you just do these things, then you have a relationship. But that's not a relationship. That's following rules. A relationship is knowing that Jesus is the only way, as he said. You realizing your sin and saying, you know what, I don't want to do that anymore. I want Jesus in my life. And this morning, you can have him. When we have our invitation in just a few moments, I am going to ask you if you would just step across the pew and down the aisle and, and just say, Pastor, you know what, I, I want that relationship. I desire it. I want to know more about it. But don't leave today without that promise of heaven being yours as a fact. And today you can do that through Christ. And if Jesus is encouraging you to come and be a part of this congregation, to join this church, I ask you to come as well. Father, as we move into our time of invitation, we specifically ask you to speak to us and help us to be obedient, to celebrate with joy what you have done, and to be able to understand that we're going to be with you face to face as you are. And that's heaven, wherever you are. And Father, we, we want, like you want, your house to be full, for the gospel to be proclaimed, for people to come to know you. And this morning, we ask 
that folks will. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's stand and sing our invitation hymn. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back, no turning back. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Go ahead, be seated if you would. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, I tell you what a promise we have, a promise that we hold on to, and a promise we need to share. And I hope you will. I hope you will. Nancy, I think you have a few things to share. Scott, would you join me here? This is totally unannounced to him, at least. But I wanted you to meet our new sound technician, Scott Rex. He's hesitant to come, but I don't want you to have to turn around and guess which one he is. <clears throat> In mid-June, Scott became our sound technician part-time. But Scott has already been such a blessing to us, so I wanted you to be able to express your thanks to what he has already done and will continue to do to help us in the area of sound. Don't leave just yet. <laughs> to show you how God answered our prayers, we have a gentleman who has been on contract with us for a number of years. Always we call him when we have trouble with our computers, when we get a new one that needs to be installed, those kind of things. And he was aware that we had a need in that area and he and Scott communicated. Well, we were blessed to be able to hire Scott to be part-time as our sound tech. He comes with 31 years of experience, both in residential and commercial installing sound system and audio systems both in homes as well as buildings and we are just blessed not only does he have skills in the sound area but also in lighting you see these two lights on the other side as we wait for the ones to come up here and there's a story behind that we've been waiting for those equipment to come in but it's on back order because of the pandemic Scott went this morning during Bible study and bought these two so that it wouldn't be quite so dark up here on the platform. Like I said, Carol bought the lights and Scott put them in. But we are indeed blessed to have Scott and I wanted you to be able to see his face and as you go by today, thank him for what he's already done. Thank you.
On a personal note, I want to thank those of you who participated in Vacation Bible School this past week. We had such fun learning, fellowshipping with each other, enjoying snacks, learning some new truths and God's word, but it was a fun time. 14 of the 36 were not church members. So we were grateful to have some new people from our community join us. And I appreciate your prayers very much for that. I think it's time that we stand for our closing prayer and I've asked Ray Jean, another of our deacons who will be leaving on Tuesday for multiple weeks to come and lead us in that closing prayer. Please pray with me. Father God, you are the Lord creator. We are grateful that you have given us the promise of heaven, the hope of heaven. We open our hearts. We ask you to come in and help us understand and develop that relationship with you that will help us then share with our community, our family and friends, because we want everyone to join us in heaven. When we all get to heaven, what a joy it will be. Please go forth this week, and certainly while I'm gone, be as much like Jesus as you can be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you.